I'm Austin. This is the Solana Podcast. This last week has been a stress test of the Solana community, coming off the successive breakpoint, which saw over 3,600 builders join us in Lisbon. Despite the events of the past week, the resolve from builders and commitment to the Solana ecosystem continues. We think it's important to bring you these conversations as they lay out the future of development on the network and what builders are thinking about for the next year. The panel you're about to hear, Our Wallets Entering the Browser War Era, was moderated by Sarah Coppett, Editor-in-Chief at The Block. Let's get right into it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for being here today. I'm thrilled to talk about the browser wars and crypto wallets. And to do that, uh, joined by our esteemed panel, Brian Friel, Developer Relations at Phantom, <laughs> with the cheering section, Philip Dragoslavic, co-founder of Soulflare, Max von Wallenberg, CEO of Ultimate, and Victor Pontus, founder of Glow. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. So, like I said, we're going to talk about the browser wars of the late 90s and early 2000s and how that kind of pertains to crypto wallets today. Um, from a lot of the faces that I see here in the crowd and uh, those that I've met around Lisbon, I can tell not many of you remember the browser wars of the uh, mid-90s. So that was a time when Netscape Navigator was really battling with Microsoft's Internet Explorer. We were all using dial-up. We were paying... A, gazillion dollars per minute to get onto the internet. And, you know, Bill Gates and Microsoft ultimately won that war, but there was an antitrust lawsuit, um, which they lost, then settled. And right about that time, there was this little company called Google that was getting into the mix. So what we're really talking about here is market dominance. Um, so very broadly, these were the OGs of Web2. But now we're all going to talk about Web3. That's why we're all here today. So I, I wanted to ask all of you, as you do your business with crypto wallets, how do you see um, kind of some of the lessons that we took from that era? And how does it pertain to wallets and Web3 today? Brian, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to start. Um, I think the big thing when we're looking you know, Web2 versus Web3 is that, that layer of ownership. And what that really means is the end users feel connected to something digitally. You know, usually it's NFTs. They want to be connected to that, be part of that community, and the wallet is how they experience that. And it goes the same way for wallets, too. They want to feel connected to their wallet. Just yesterday, there was the Utes Mint, and we saw so many people showcasing Phantom and how they minted with Phantom. Um, there's a lot of differences between you know, a browser and a wallet in that case. And so I think some lessons learned that maybe we could apply to crypto wallets is the browsers that really took off, Netscape, and then you know, eventually uh, Internet Explorer and Chrome, all made a step function change in the user experience making things really safe and easy to use. And so that's what we want to focus on at Phantom. Yeah, Max, I saw you nodding. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think like the, the huge difference is that like the, the, the ownership of data you know, is very different in the wallet space, right? Because you can use multiple wallets at the same time. Uh, and people do, right? I think the average person uses a couple of wallets, uh, maybe for different purposes. And I think also that's where the market will go. Like people will pick and choose wallets for their specific use cases. Um, that's actually very different compared in comparing that to like the browser wars, right? Where really it was all about like ownership of information. If you look at Google Chrome today, people work in Chrome, right? Like yeah. and they have profiles tied to it, like password managers, everything is deeply integrated and they don't want you to switch across because information is money, right? And data is money. And that's very different um, in Web3 and the wallets. Philip? Uh, it, it's not quite comparable, like the browser wars with the wallet wars, uh, just because what he has done, I uh, said, and browsers were here actually to 
you needed access to the internet. Basically, you had one main function, wallets, and we're going to get to that a little bit later on, have a whole set of functions, what the user can do with it and everything else. So as uh, Max actually said, wallets will eventually have different features, different functions, and uh, the, the beauty of Web3 is actually that there's basically zero to low switching costs. So I can take my seed phrase, I can put it in another wallet, and I'm all set up to use another wallet with its different capabilities. So, Victor, yeah. what's your take? I think the, the biggest change is really like the browsers were so useful. Like you would open a browser to do so many different things. Like when the internet came out, it was like sick, right? It's like, oh, like there's so many search engines, you're opening them up to do things. It's like, more information than you could ever imagine online, and it's still super addicting. Like, Wikipedia is addicting for me. I just go on it, and it's like, learn everything, right? Yeah. And the wallets are, like, right now augmenting apps, right? I think, like, no wallet really, oh, I need to open it every day. It's like, okay, you don't open your bank account every day. You don't open financial products every day, unless you're actively trading, which I think is a small amount of people. So I think what crypto needs is more things that you need to open every day and like more use cases. So that's what we're trying to build is around, hey, how do we have like a better social experience, a better use case? And I think that's like where wallets will like, it's not war over the same amount of users who are opening some other dApp. It's like, how do you fit in in this new ecosystem? And what do you let users do they can't do otherwise. Yeah, so that actually brings me to my next point and question. What do you all see as the actual role of the wallet in the crypto ecosystem? Because there seems to be a lot of room for all of, all of you to kind of make a play right now and, and make those decisions for the future. I can go first. Well, I think wallets are basically this first layer of trust uh, between the user and the blockchain itself because they're storing their assets there. They're basically entering the Web3 space through it. So it's basically a gateway um, to the decentralized internet of that sort. So we're now currently just in that phase where we're mostly just, I mean, storing assets and allowing users to actually interact with dApps. But I think that wallets, like, in the future will do more and more stuff. They will eventually evolve into super app why? Because users already trust them. So you already trust that wallet. You're going to trust them more uh, if they will just allow you to do a certain type of action compared to you going to a different site that you don't know. And that's basically it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would actually say that wallets today don't actually do the job that they should be doing. I mean, I know it's a bit controversial because right, if I give someone a wallet, you know, browser extension, you install it, it's basically empty, right? Like, they don't do any good job of onboarding people into discovering things to do. And then, you know, if you have some tokens in there, they're sort of an asset snapshot. So what we're really trying to do with Ultimate is to, you know, make the entire experience before, uh, you know, you, you, know, you buy, buy a token, uh, you know, afterwards, you know, when you see how much it's actually worth, what's my P&L, um, you know, data feeds, everything that you actually need to, you know, make an informed decision what you want to do, in Web3, that should be part of the wallet experience, and it's not today. And we really feel that's, you know, the, the next generation of where wallets will go will make it so much easier in terms of just onboarding users into Web3 and then kind of, you know, holding their hands almost like a companion all along the way. Yeah, I, I just want to say, I think a lot of the space inherited the patterns that MetaMask set because it was the original wallet. 
And a lot of people just thought, oh, this is a means to an end for me to actually use the dApps. I think we're just scratching the surface on wallets can do. I kind of view wallets as like your digital friend to exploring the digital economy. I'm really proud of what we did with you know, lists on Magic Eden and connecting your wallet to Instagram and showing you know, all your NFTs. And we just launched Explore as well. And I think bringing the user into the digital world, showing them how they can interact with all this very safely in a social way, that's what wallets are for. Yeah. Victor? There are different roles, different wallets will go down. One is, I think, more things, more apps in crypto will have a wallet built in. Like, I think one of the biggest wallets on Solana is Stepin, right? And it's like people don't have a secret phrase that they're writing down. It's not about porting things over. It's a game that has like a crypto element to it. And crypto is just part of it. It's not like, hey, I have my Stepin wallet that I'm using in other places. So you'll see apps that have wallets. But I think also with one thing we're really interested in is around the like, opposite of the anonymity that everyone talks about in crypto, where it's actually how do you prove you are who you are? How do you claim badges? How do you earn certificates? How do you prove you're a human? With like, all the crazy stuff happening in AI right now, it's like there's going to be a million LinkedIn profiles that are fake for every like, real person. Right? Like, every chat will have tons of bots in it. And so crypto provides a really interesting opportunity to like, verify you are who you are if you build the right systems. So I think that'll be like one direction of like a wallet being a portal. And Do you being think able the crypto to... community will accept that? Yeah, I mean, I think for crypto to go mainstream and for more people to use it, I think it will be like less anonymous over time. I don't think most people want to be anonymous online. I think people like interacting with their friends and people they know. Um, and it takes a lot longer to build up a relationship with an anonymous person than somebody with a persistent identity. Maybe they would choose a different name online, like people already do that, yeah. but it's not like wallet address five and wallet address six. So we, yeah, we related to that, we made our launched Glow ID, which is our own identity system that you can build on top of also. Um, but that's an invite only now, we're rolling that out. But yeah. I think it's not around the anonymity. When you said crypto community, the crypto community now is maybe a little bit more steering towards the anonymous direction. But as we, as the, as the market grows bigger, as more and more people get in, I think that uh, more KYC solutions or soulbound token solutions will take a more important role in wallets yeah. in general. So right now, like if we want to compare to browsers, like Google is, you know, the the ultimate um, in, in that space. Do you think if you look out a little, just a little bit into the future that there will be you know, one wallet to rule them all or will there be niche products that have a utility? I think we're very, very early right now. We're at millions of users. We need to grow this to billions of users. Um, you know, I talked about people feeling connected to their wallets. There's going to be a lot of different ways that people want to express themselves digitally. There's room for a lot of different players. Um, we're very, very focused on providing you know, the cleanest, simplest, safest experience at scale, but we love seeing all the experimentation. We think it's awesome. Um, there's definitely tons of room for players. It depends. <laughs> so uh, it depends on how many blockchains will actually be relevant in five to 10 years from now. Okay. Um, so ultimately, what we believe is that there will be like, some sort of big multi-chain wallet that will just do like the basic functions like send and receive tokens, potentially send and receive NFTs, swap, and that's it. Because if you want to implement many different blockchains, they're 
blockchains are fundamentally different. You need to dump down the flows, and basically you get like a really feature-poor wallet. But you get a wallet that has actually access to all the blockchains. But then, like on top of the uh, on top of this big, basically base multi-chain wallet, you'll have blockchain-specific deep wallets. So you, for example, have a Solana wallet, uh, ETH wallet that has that basically can unlock like 100% of the blockchain's potential and do more stuff with it. So, you think there'll be multiple, many different chains? You mentioned that. Yes. Yeah, I think there'll be like hopefully one or two. Like I think Bitcoin will still exist. It depends on how we niche out. Yeah. So if all the blockchains do just one specific use case, then okay, then I'm with you in one to two chains. But if one is going to more of, I don't know, games direction, one is doing NFTs, one is for one specific verticals, then I think we're going to have more chains. Yeah. Which one is Solana going to be? <laughs> That's the million dollar question. <laughs> million dollars? <laughs> That's yeah. even... I mean, Solana. <laughs> <laughs> Billion dollar, trillion yeah, dollar. Yeah. So Solana in the beginning said they uh, always said they want to be the Nasdaq on chain. So DeFi, DeFi, DeFi. Yeah, yeah. And then NFTs happens basically. Yeah. And now NFT, uh, Solana is basically predominantly uh, like an NFT chain for yeah. now. But NFTs are a form of DeFi, right? So I mean, like our take here is that like especially when it comes to financial services, you need like a very purpose-built wallet for it. Because financial services are a very specific thing, like you know, money, investments are a really important thing to people, very personal. And like you don't want, or I don't think you can actually marry like a general purpose wallet with uh, kind of the needs and wants of an investor, right? Like if I want to see portfolio history, data, candlestick charts, like all of this stuff, you know, not everyone needs, but like if you're serious about Investing and uh, in DeFi, like you really want that from a wallet. So we feel that you know the the wallets of the future will be will have a very specific focus area. There might be some general purpose built ones, but um, especially on the financial services side, you need this focus. That that also depends on the market. So yeah. if you have 500k people in the ecosystem or 500 million people in the ecosystem, it's a whole different ballgame, basically. Yeah. So yeah, it all depends on that. Going back to the, the question around the winner take all, I think it's like another way you could think about crypto is like as a technology. Um, and if you think about it as a technology like Postgres or ACH, it's like, okay, like Postgres is like, or Oracle came out with the database, right? And it's like everyone has their own database, and it's like, okay, is there going to be like a winner take all database app? And it's like, okay, like, no, every app is using. The database and every app is reading and writing to it. Um, I think, like, crypto needs to become more like a technology that a lot of other apps are using, and that's how it'll be useful. So there will be like winners in different use cases. If you're building some social app um, that ha maybe has like signing in it, right, and it doesn't need any of the financial stuff, it's just like verifying you are who you are, and it's doing all that signing with crypto and it's putting messages on chain that can have a network effect and be a winner, but it's not even related to anything that this like, finance part of crypto. Like Crypto doesn't have to be about money. Yeah, Brian? I was just going to say, I think all of this discussion shows that there's, it's, we're early, there's a lot of different ways this could play out, and I think uh, we want to position ourselves to you know, be amenable to that. Um, just the fact that anyone can build anything permissionlessly, you know, three, five years ago, NFTs were, no one thought NFTs were going to be a thing. You know, in 2018, everyone thought DeFi was going to be a big thing. I've been very humbled in crypto before, had my mind changed. I look forward to that happening again, and 
uh, we want to be there for it. So changing, changing gears a little bit, the U.S. government got involved in Microsoft, got involved with Google. Do you foresee any, um, I don't know, legal challenges or just like regulation? Like if we get some regulatory clarity, you know, in the, in the coming months, year, um, do you think, how do you think that will impact um, the wallet race? I think the, the biggest regulators in the space are the, the mobile platforms. Um, I think everyone has had submitted apps, or anyone who's built an app in crypto has submitted it and been nervous about different reviews. Um, and I think we talked a little bit about the super app where that's something that's like explicitly not allowed on either the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. These platforms have more power than the governments right now in terms of like what people are building in crypto. So that, that, that's where I think will be interesting is how these platforms play out and if they incorporate crypto themselves. How do you think that's going to play out, Philip? I also agree with Victor that the biggest, <laughs> the biggest threat is basically Apple and Android. Yeah. And they just release a wallet that's basically... And it gets super interesting for us because we then, we again, need to niche out and do maybe stuff differently than them. In terms of... Um, these antitrust allegations or whatever it was in the, in the browser wars, it's hard. <laughs> like, I don't know uh, uh, what basically would uh, be the analogy in the crypto space. So is it potentially the blockchain uh, itself that says, hey, okay, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like if, if, so Microsoft released Internet Explorer and they bundled it and it was like yeah. the default. So it's like if Apple releases their own crypto wallet, and then that's the default, and they block all crypto apps. Um, like, is that antitrust? And I think that could be an interesting place where, like, the, the antitrust-specific thing, yeah. it matches the browser words pretty similarly. Yeah. I do think that, you know, users are going to demand that their digital life works seamlessly across everything, across their desktop computers, their phones, gaming environments as well. So um, I agree, you know, I think everyone who's built an app has, has thought about this kind of, uh, you know, the, the forces that be, but um, I'm optimistic that users are going to demand something that, uh, that what they want. So one of the things that I think we try to do over and over again is take, you know, things that are happening now or maybe Web 2 experiences and overlay them on, like, crypto or Web 3 and try to, try to make it work, to try to make, it, make sense of it, you know, especially as crypto goes more mainstream. Are there any lessons that you, you all take from kind of you know, the, the 90s and 2000s that you um, think actually are fairly applicable or are um, similar enough where you're like, oh, okay, like, we're not, we, we either are going to go down this road or, or really stay away. I'm happy to go. I, yeah. I mentioned, you know, when we first started about the UX lessons and that, how that's been a big focus for us, making it so easy a kindergartner can use this. I think another lesson, though, uh, is not just consumers, but also developers. Uh, you know, if you're a web developer, you know how hard, like, or, you know, when you say the word Internet Explorer, you have, like, a, a visceral reaction to that. Um, and so that's been a big focus for us, too, is how do we empower devs um, to, you know, best reach their users, create the kind of apps they want to do. Um, mobile wallet adapters live now. If you have an Android phone, you can interact with Phantom directly from Chrome. Um, we'll keep investing uh, in developers like that. 
Yeah, I think also if you look at like the market share, uh, you know, like Internet Explorer was basically, you know, think they, they can't lose. I mean, they came obviously bundled, but like they were obviously disintermediated as we all saw. So I think that's also a case even more so in, in crypto, right? Like where, you know, even if you have substantial market share as a wallet, like you can't rest on these laurels, right? Someone else might do it better and someone else might actually, you know, just by, by virtue of you being able to port over your wallet from someone else, um, you know, just basically switch. The switching cost is nearly zero, right? So and this is something which all of us here uh, on this panel will keep us on our toes, right? To always develop really good product because we all know the user is literally just kind of a click away because they might have actually three or four wallets installed. So I think overall this, this complete data portability will actually make it, you know, bring about better products and more innovation faster. Yeah. I mean, I agree with Max. It's a hyper competitive space, basically. So in a Web2 world, I mean, you have your siloed, basically, companies. And it's super hard to move your, your data, your profiles, whatever you have to somewhere else. But in crypto, it's super easy. And that makes our job a lot harder because as soon as someone brings out a new feature that is, I don't know, liked by the whole market, then we need to get it out there as soon as possible to just catch up and, and be there. So I think that is ultimately great for the end consumer because we're basically uh, fighting to give them like the best possible experience. Uh, but uh, this also accelerates like our development and our basically <laughs> go-to-market basically with, with the product a lot faster than any Web2 company would do. Yeah. Because, yeah. Victor? Uh, thinking about like the early internet and like, like the browser wars were like Web1, I guess, I think like a couple big shifts where Amazon got you to pay for things online. Like before Amazon, I remember my mom was like, oh, like don't put in the card online. <laughs> like if you put in your credit card online, like what could happen? Like you're gonna like, we're gonna lose the house and like we're gonna be <laughs> sleeping on the streets. Um, but like Amazon normalized, hey, you can pay for things online. It's safe, you actually get the thing you can get your, your money back uh, if it like, doesn't come. Um, and then the other shift was like, around putting your personal information online. And I think like, LinkedIn and Facebook both did this, where it's before these companies, it was like everyone was on a forum where you create your own name, and like, you obviously don't have your photo, and there's probably creepy people online who are going like, to like, kidnap you or something. <laughs> and now we take it for granted that, like, yeah, I'll buy stuff mostly online with my credit card. And then, like, I sign up for stuff, and I, like, before I would, like, log in with Facebook or, like, have my actual identity. So I think crypto needs to bring both of those, where it's, like, yeah, you want to bring in your identity and where people can see who you are. And, like, one thing we worked on with Glow ID is, like, you type in someone's name and you can send to them, right? Um, it's really easy. Like, you want to know who you're sending to. And the, like, financial trust is really hard, right? Like, how... How do you get people to trust this ecosystem and say, hey, I feel comfortable putting money and sending to my friends and managing funds here where we can like, vote on it together um, and do like, something like a DAO, um, where right now we're in the period of all these hacks and like, speculation, where it, it feels like a place where you can make money, but not like a secure store of value right now. And we need to, we need to get there. Yeah. yeah, on the topic of hacks, like I think one part of actually role of the wallet is also consumer protection, right? So if you look at things that actually sit between the wallet and the, the protocols, you know, the kind of firewalls, if you will, like the, so, you know, I think the wallet needs to 
do a much better job in terms of uh, you know, embracing openness and composability, but at the same time also you know, being an effective filter to show you things as a consumer that are what you're looking for in terms of risk-reward on the DeFi side, uh, in terms of you know, the, the right collections on the NFT side. And I think um, this is something, it, it, there's a lot of things that are being developed that will make this a much, much better and more trustworthy process. Um, and yeah, that's, that's a core functionality of what is going forward. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, it, it's multi-leveled, you know, it's like this permissionless great nature of the ecosystem. Uh, and the wallet really is the first line of defense. How do you alert users when things potentially go wrong? And then also, you know, if you're there and you even think this is a trusted app, you know, the programs can change and how can you on the fly recognize that? So it's a huge responsibility. We also need to educate the users about Web3-specific things because we can't just abstract all of, <laughs> out all of it. So some things need to be uh, thought to the user like in a very engaging way. So because it's basically a, a new paradigm shift. So yeah. for, for the first time in many years, basically you're the owner of your assets. Nobody else can take them away from you. But it's also like a huge responsibility. And th that's one of the things that we need to teach users that they're basically in control. Yeah. So we've only got a few minutes left. Um, I wanted to ask all of you, in 2025, when we're all back here at Breakpoint, what are we going to be talking about as it pertains to wallets? Bring out the crystal ball. Who wants to go first? I can start by sharing um, Vibhu of Solana Spaces has this great quote where he says that every single brand 10 years from now will all be deeply digital and they likely have all started in a crypto context using NFTs to reach their users. And I agree with that. You, know, you, see, it, you see very early signs of this now, but basically facilitating that connection of, of users and what they love digitally, what they own, connecting, it's very social as well. You know, how that actually manifests in implementation details. I talked about how none of us could have even seen this NFT craze coming. I, um, I'll hold off on, on, on the implementation details for now, but that's what we're really excited about, just making that a fun, safe, intuitive experience for everybody. Yeah. Philip? Yeah, I mean, we're going to see like a lot of innovation in the space. I think that more and more, as Brian said, um, cross-collaborations between Web2 companies and Web3 companies will take place. So, uh, like, token-gated communities, uh, like, there's a bunch of stuff that they basically can do. But I'm also thinking that, coming back to the one of the first questions that we had is that KYC and, like, proof of <laughs> basically identity will also be, like, a big place because you want to be able to, I don't know, pay for stuff online with crypto and um, most of the time the merchant needs to know who that is in order to basically facilitate the, the, the purchase. And yeah, so well, I think that we're going more and more mainstream with, with the whole idea of wallets. Max? Yeah, I really hope that we don't sit here and talk about like how kind of Web2 and centralized players won the wallet game in the sense uh -huh. that like the wallets became this invisible layer. So I kind of, you know, every company that you know, is big out there right now like has sort of their own wallet and uh, you don't even know that you're interacting with crypto anymore. I do think we should really fully embrace crypto and like actually I hope we sit here as crypto native uh, wallets uh, and you know from our side like I really hope that uh, you know we become sort of that DeFi super app right like where would you go to and um, invest into DeFi and like I really don't want that race to be won by kind of centralized brokers. Victor? Yeah uh, I don't think there'll be a 
a wallet panel, or I, I hope there's not. I think we're building, we're trying to build social identity and social features, and where you get your Glow ID, you verify your Twitter, you can get, earn badges for achieving different things. We're launching with badges mostly in the crypto ecosystem, but we're working on how do you get badges for winning a marathon or doing other things, being one year at Stripe, you get a badge, and like that's a better badge than putting Stripe on your LinkedIn. Um, how do you verify you are who you are, and then how do you join communities that you're interested in and find events and find other people you want to work with or learn from? If you look at wallets today, they're like a wrapper around this like sign message function, and they store your keys, and it's like, well, they don't really store your keys. Like most wallets actually like say, oh, you have to store your own keys, and it's um, you're like given a phrase on onboarding to write down. So I think. For crypto to go more mainstream, we want it to be less crypto native, where it feels more like you're interacting with your friends and meeting cool people and understanding who other people are, rather than like, oh, signing messages and understanding what token accounts are and all this crazy stuff that we can't expect everyone to know about. A crypto native doesn't have to mean it's complex, right? I think I really want to challenge that. I don't we run out of yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> Well, thank you all so much for being here and uh, talking with us today. Uh, Victor, Max, Philip, Brian, thank you very much. <laughs>